experienced early childhood professional leader and researcher dr denise slaichua is skilled in early childhood education and the treatment of children with additional needs especially autism spectrum disorder she is a doctor in early childhood education policy her other degrees include psychology linguistics and education with a specialization in early intervention she is also a certified international behavior analyst her areas of professional competence and research interest include the development of play literacy and numeracy in young children the socio culture and socio political aspects of educational programming and policies and the behavioral treatment of children with autism denise currently leads and manages cape center for applied practice in education as its managing director and head of programs prior to cape denise founded and led the we care group singapore for 21 years under her watch the company provided both early childhood and early intervention programs in singapore and indonesia serving more than 1000 families from around the world welcome to the podcast dr denise thank you very much arian i'm very happy to be here we're uh, very happy to have you ma'am so um i ask this question to everyone who comes to the podcast because i think it's really important to know everyone's opinions about this and this one thing how do you define autism right um well i'll give you the the clinical definition arian um which is that autism is a neurological condition uh where the brain is wired differently um it tends to perceive information in a different way and it tends to process information in a different way and because it's because the brain is developing and functioning in a different way we see behavioral um conditions that are different from you know what you would expect from people who are neurotypical um so that's my definition um and i i try to say that in as layman way as i can in as easy a way as i can i hope that's all right yeah that's all right i mean you are a doctor and uh, so the clinical definition would be the best all right let's get to this more specific questions um so we talked about um be- behavioral analysis and uh, certain therapies that can uh, help children with autism um do you care to uh, explain some of these therapies uh, for example anger uh, anger management family therapy applied behavioral analysis can you uh, give us a definition for these sure um we don't look at well okay i need to clarify first right i i'm an international behavior analyst and that was what i was trained in from the very very beginning so i was trained in applied behavior analysis which is still considered to be the gold standard of um treatment for children with autism um so i'm obviously biased i i tend to think in um aba terms a lot um and everything that you know every other therapy is compared with aba in my mind anyway 
okay? So I'll, I can tell you a bit about ABA in a bit. Uh, but in terms of the other therapies, let's make one thing very clear. Family therapy is for the family. Anger management is for anyone who feels that they have an anger problem and needs um, help and support with that. Uh, applied behavior analysis is something very, very specific though. Just as occupational therapy is very specific and speech and language therapy is also very specific. Each of these forms of therapy have a very specific group of people that they are targeting to help and assist. Yeah? So occupational therapy is really about helping the person. It doesn't have to be a child. It could be a person recovering from an accident or from a stroke. It's about regaining functions in their body, in, in the way they move their hands, the way they move their themselves, you know, functional um, uh, use of hands and legs and, you know, uh, that's occupational therapy. Speech and language therapy is really about, well, as the name states, speech, language, and communication skills. Yeah? yeah. Um, physiotherapy is about, you know, healing your muscles, healing your, the, the, the strains or sprains uh, in your body. Um, so they're very, very specific. And applied behavior analysis is specifically targeted at behavioral issues and it was first conceived by um, a man called Eva Luvas who in what he was trying to do was to translate or apply behavioral principles of psychology into a framework of learning and teaching for children with autism okay so it's very specific it has a very specific um, it has very specific targets, it has a very specific uh, uh, philosophy and very specific ways in which it seeks to address behavior problems. Understood. Um, so how are some of these uh, applied behavior analysis principles or methods used? Well, okay, so when we talk about applied behavior analysis, we and remember I said that it is a system of learning and teaching that um, has incorporated behavioral principles of psychology, right? And yes. specifically that those behavioral principles tend to revolve around what we call operant conditioning. And what operant conditioning is referring to is the way in which the environment influences our behaviors. So let's not talk about children with autism. Uh, let, let's you know, set that aside for the time being. We are, all of us, we are influenced by elements in our environment. So you growing up in India, me growing up in Singapore, we have had very different experiences and we've also had very similar experiences. You know, uh, when someone smiles at us, this is the response that we would feel, right? If someone yells at us, this is the response that we would feel. Like if someone gives us money, oh wow, you know, we get a, you know, we might feel this, right? We might get this positive rush, like wow, I've gotten a, a gift of money. Or if someone's given me flowers, right? So, so all of us are influenced by our environment. That's one binding thing about humanity that everyone feels the emotions, the main thing, uh, the same way. 
right. Like all of us are influenced by our environment. And all of us, um, you, you think about it, like if you do a job, you, you do want to get paid at the end of the week or end of the month, right? And that is what behavioral, uh, behavioral psychology studies, right? How human behavior is influenced by these environmental factors. So in applied behavior analysis, there are a number of elements that we look at from the very beginning, which is number one, what is reinforcing the child's behavior? What in the environment is making the child want to do something again, right? So if the child likes bubbles, and if it, it's clear to the child that if he shakes the bubbles, um, mommy's gonna come and blow the bubbles, then the child is likely to shake the bubble, the, bu the bottle of bubbles again and again and again, because he wants the bubbles, right? Yes. So the reinforcer is mommy coming to blow the bubbles for the child, right? That's no different from, from any of us, right? We, we, switch, on, we switch on the TV, we, we click on a certain thing, <laughs> yeah. we want the show to start, right? And we click on it again because we want the show to carry on, right? So, so that's no different from any of us, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so that's, that's what we call reinforcement um, theory or re the reinforcement principle. But ABA looks at other things. It looks at antecedents as well. What are the conditions um, that lead to or, or tend to trigger a behavior, okay? So um, behavioral psychology might look at, say, um, adults around alcohol, right? You know, like, oh, what what could what could alcohol trigger? You know, does, is there a kind of association between adults drinking and incidences of um, more shouting or or more raucous behavior at the end of it all? Right. So so ABA uh, in terms of you know treatment for the for the child, it looks at antecedent conditions. If the child sits here, does he tend to get up more? If the child sits there, does he tend to get up less? All right, so that's just yeah. a very simple example. Okay, or- so Which actions uh, lead to bad consequences and certain kinds of consequences, basically. No, no, consequences is reinforces. Okay, so what I was telling you about, about the bubbles, that's the consequence. Mommy coming to blow the bubbles was the consequence, right? For, for the child shaking the, the or, or pointing to the bottle of bubble solution, that's the consequence. And that was a positive consequence. The child likes it when mommy blows the bubbles. So he'll point to the bubble uh, bottle again so that mommy can blow it again. Okay, that, those are consequences. Antecedence is the pre-situation, the, pre the prior situation. What are the things that tend to trigger behavior? Okay, so uh, we would look at things like um, the seating arrangements in classrooms, we would look at the noise level in classrooms, we would look at even we would look at lighting in the classroom, uh, we would look at the number groups of children, like if there are groups of three children versus groups of five children versus groups of seven children, do any of the changes in the numbers of group increase or decrease behavior problems. So antecedents is about prior conditions to a behavioral issue. The causes. Okay. Yeah. Well, not so much causes, but the context, the context for behavior problems emerging. 
all right um, the, uh, so the environment basically the the conditions i think the, the context would be the conditions around which behavior issues occur um you know so if let's say there's loud music does that trigger the child getting very upset and uh you know flapping his hands and crying so then we know okay loud music is is a is an antecedent to the child getting very upset so we would change that condition and not play loud music we would maybe have the you know we would either play it softer or if loud music is uh, you know we can't change the loud music in the environment say at a party then maybe the child has to wear earmuffs or um, uh, earphones that deaden the sound in order to be able to integrate into that party so the context the conditions around which behaviors occur okay it's clear um, how important this can be you were saying yeah. uh, you were talking about more aspects i'm sorry sorry i was talking about what uh, you were talking about more aspects um, of the applied behavior analysis like we discussed too right so so positive reinforcement which you know which really is about consequences and then antecedent conditions and then we look at other things right like um we look at how um what what do we what is the task that the child has to learn okay so we would look at um say the child needs to learn to um uh, feed himself then we would break the task down we would very systematically break the task down into its component bits so if the child has to learn to feed himself then the child first he has to recognize the spoon right rather than the knife so recognize spoon pick up spoon put spoon in bowl lift food in spoon bring spoon to mouth open mouth put spoon in mouth close mouth remove spoon chew <laughs> all right so that yeah. is that's an analysis of the task it's broken down into all the specific steps and we do that for everything we do that for learning to tie your shoelaces we do that for putting on shorts putting on your t-shirt learning to write learning to read we break it down for the child and we teach the specific components and then we uh shape it or we link it all up together so that the child can do it as one smooth movement or one smooth sequence at the end of it so that is the next aspect of aba we we it's called a task analysis all right we break down the task into its component bits and one of the other things that um i mean that's probably key to aba is that is very systematic all right so we don't teach on monday we don't teach um the child say to ask for bubbles and then on tuesday the child learns to ask for cookie and then on wednesday we go back to bubbles and then thursday we teach the child how to ask for car or ask for the toy or the ball we don't do that it's very systematic so it starts off with we we analyze can the child talk what can the child say what are the target words that the child needs to learn and then we systematically teach it so monday he learns to say bubbles 
the Tuesday we repeat that, Wednesday we repeat that until the child can say bubbles on his own spontaneously and generalize it. Then we move on to the next um, target. Okay, so I, I obviously I'm simplifying things a little bit. The child doesn't just learn one word at a time, yeah. but it's just to give you an idea of how systematic ABA is. Um, we don't jump all over the place in terms of targets. It's developmental, it's progressive. Um, it starts off at one level and then moves to the next level and the next and the next in a way that's coherent and which is really about building up the child's skills. So um, how can this, um, so I'm gonna uh, go back to the first aspect you mentioned. How can, be, how can these consequences be used to impact behavior? And do you have some, a certain anecdotes or uh, certain methods that you use um, when you're uh, training a child? Consequences, I mean, well, I mean, I mean the first thing I wanna point out is we don't just look at consequences, right? It's just part of the puzzle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but yes, um, consequences or reinforcers are a part of that puzzle and we do use them. There are different types of consequences. There are natural consequences and then there are what we call um, extrinsic consequences or, well, I mean, you could say artificial consequences. Um, yeah. We always want consequences to be as natural as possible. So if the child likes cookies, then you know, we will teach the child to make a request for cookie and then he gets a cookie. That's very natural, right? Yeah. It, it, we, don't, we don't have a situation where the child says cookie and then we give the child a raisin. Okay, so that's, that's not natural. That's very odd, right? Yeah. Um, but there are situations where there are situations where children are only interested in certain kinds of reinforces. So um, a child might have at the moment a obsession, say, with peanut butter or something yeah. like that. And then that's when, okay, he can ask for peanut butter, but he's asking for peanut butter all the time, but he has to learn other things other than you know, he, he then, then saying peanut, peanut butter, right? Yeah. So say we want the child to um, to throw the ball, okay, or to catch the ball. Now, it's quite unnatural to give peanut butter in that situation, but if that's the only thing that the child is really interested in, then, okay, every time he throws the ball, he gets a little bit of peanut butter on a spoon, okay? So that's, that's the way uh, we use... Um, reinforces in a in a more external extrinsic well yeah artificial kind of way i mean i uh, i do a lot of computer science and um that's the same way we uh computer scientists are told to think about problems so that mm. our brain can analyze these problems so mm. i think this is one way it can be generalized uh, to make an kind of an algorithm like you explained, like you uh, very nicely explained uh, the spoon example, eating food. Yeah. So I think that's one uh, way where we can generalize this um, this uh, condition. Yeah, you mean as in as in how we think about um, children oh. with autism learning? Yes, ma'am. 
Okay